This week on Slashers, turn those brains off and crank the action up to 11 because we're doing Resident Evil. Be sure to stay tuned until the end of the episode for a special track from our friends, Project 19. A secret experiment, a deadly virus, a fatal mistake, a Slashes podcast, a podcast about movies and more for those who love horror. My name is Jake and with me for the first time in an official capacity on a feature length episode is my esteemed colleague, co-host and cohort, Adam. Adam, say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. What is up, goons? It is a pleasure to be here. So we are doing a Resident Evil. Let me ask you a quick question. Do you prefer the name Resident Evil or Biohazard as it is known in Europe? and japan you know honestly i feel it's situational it's like some of the games fit more of a title named like biohazard as like the first one being in a house resident evil seems to fit a lot better seriously if resident evil played the way dino crisis 2 played i would be so about calling it biohazard but when it's kind of i'm not gonna say it's sloggy but it's definitely not that kind of pizzazz i feel like Slow burn. Exactly. Like Biohazard is like the name of an American gladiator, right? So you expect bombastic energy. Not like, oh, I better open this door and walk and open a menu and pick out a thing and take an herb and make of it. And come on now. Not to talk shit, but you know. And have a cutscene for every door that opens. You gotta love that. Masking those load times. So, did you play the Resident Evil games? Are you a big fan? I am a very decent fan. I haven't played all of them. I gotta say, I've played one, two, three. I think I played zero on GameCube. Four, five was also awesome. Six came out, and I just hated it. Yeah. I'm playing uh, part seven in Biohazard now, actually. Oh, very cool. So, do you know how the name Resident Evil came to be? So the game was Biohazard, but then they realized that there was already a shitty DOS game called Biohazard in America, and it was an incredibly generic name. So the idea of copywriting it was virtually impossible. So they did an internal company-wide contest, and internally that person won. And uh, I couldn't find the name of the person, but I did find that it was just an internal vote at kind of last minute to save it, which is kind of hilarious. Kind of just came out of necessity, really. Just yeah, and like yeah, you said, it's a shit ton of money. Yeah, because it's a house, hence Resident Evil. Uh, I was like, oh, huh, this how quaint. It's exactly what it is. Yeah, I mean, it, it just sums it up to a T. Two words, simple as that, and you know what you're getting into. Exactly. Did you know this was the first M-rated game in the United States? Did not know that. I knew there was an actual director's cut for the PlayStation One, the original. Absolutely. Yeah, my parents wouldn't let me get that one at that point. Bullshit. Yeah, it's actually the highest selling game in the franchise and in Capcom history for that matter is Resident Evil 5, which kind of took me by surprise. Like I remember liking the game, but Jesus Christ, that's the best in Capcom history, even better than Street Fighter, I guess. Or Mega Man. Which wait, is just- wait, like... Yeah, Seven million units were sold of one, wow. one title. Yeah. 
enjoyed that one. But yeah, I would have never said that was Capcom's top exactly, in any right? way, shape, or form. And it's not like there's gimmickry. Like people always talk about how Super Mario and Duck Hunt were like the best selling games ever, but a lot of them came in a bundle with the Nintendo. So it's an artificially inflated thing. I didn't ever get a bundle with Resident Evil 5, but whatever yeah it's like putting youtube's album on the oh, iphone or something evil bastard that shit oh god no one wants it bono yeah nobody wants a shitty spider-man turn off the dark you fuckheads we're gonna move on because that's a rant that i've i could go down so many injuries oh jesus it's grievous did you know that Resident Evil was originally a first-person shooter? And it wasn't until they based a lot of it on Alone in the Dark, which also has a shitty movie adaptation, that it became third-person. Is Stephen Dorff in that movie, if I'm not mistaken? I want to say yes, but I might be thinking of Blade because it's also that same kind of era of blandness. I feel like I wanted to see that movie when it came out, but not even good enough to end up renting it when I didn't see it in the theaters. Yeah. Like, I've still not seen that movie. How long do you think it takes to make a game that's this prolific? If I said one year, do you think that's enough? <sighs> Are we talking about like on console specs yeah so for the original game and i'll tell you this i'll give mm. you a hint so for the first six months so we know it's at least more than six months shinji mikami basically worked alone so how much longer do you think it takes to take one guy's 40 page script and turn it into a feature length game with cut scenes that are shot with real actors have the music have the gameplay and everything done i'm saying at least a year and a half it was actually three years total which i found like really refreshing because we had talked about like the silent hill episode and stuff seeing these people like with these breakneck paces was just kind of blowing my mind and this game clearly plays a little bit more aggressively than that so i was pretty impressed by the turnaround times even when you consider it because it's a genre changing game in three years that had never been done that way that's pretty good See, honestly, yeah, I'd still call that good because the thing that really threw me off, like why I was asking this specs, like, because I'm so used to seeing games developed in such and such amounts of times now when they have like Unreal Engine and oh, stuff yeah. like that. But, um, you know, but yeah, still impressive. I mean, the live action shots, like the atrocious voiceovers and acting, oh, it's just, yeah. it's still gold. We're going to put the bunny ears around acting, right? <laughs> Oh, oh, very much so, very much so. So the game was also originally going to be a remake of another game called Sweet Home, which I don't know if you've ever heard of. Very different. And then they had changed it. And what's interesting about Sweet Home, it had five different endings, which was one of the first games to pioneer that kind of you know, instigating your replayability to get those different endings and do different character choices and stuff, which is pretty cool. Now, was this on, uh, like, NES, or was this on, like, like old Apple computer-style, like, Maniac Mansion? So the game itself came out in 1989, and it was released on a couple different things, but the biggest platform being the Famicom. So there you go. That was another Capcom title. All right. All right. And the, it's like, I'll say this, the gameplay mechanics, because I did watch a little bit of it on YouTube, like, there are some similarities, like, the way that they have the, the drop-down menu and stuff, and, you know, I liked it. It's... It's cute. It's not anything that I feel like I need to go and pick up a copy and figure it out, right? Like, there are some games from Nintendo where I, like, in doing horror movie research and stuff that I've been, like, super into. This was fine. Like, Monster Party, I had to stop everything I was doing, make sure I could find a ROM of it and play it for 20 minutes and be like, oh, this is way harder than I wanted it to be. But I still am glad I did it. <laughs> 
it's fun going back to those the eight bit games and just the stuff we grew up on and just it it is when you see how hard something is or how broken controls are you're like i wasn't just a stupid kid this sucks yeah right play testing you find some gold oh exactly now you say resident evil you said it was basically going to be a remake of a game called sweet home and you said that was by capcom as well i did yeah so that almost makes this like the Evil Dead 2. Oh, that's actually a pretty fun analysis. Did you see that there's actually a movie coming out? It's uh, called Wild Eyes, if I'm not mistaken. And it, people have basically said that it's the Asian version of Evil Dead. No, I'm going to have to check that out. There's been a lot of Evil Dead news coming out. Yeah. Um, have you heard about uh, the whole Evil Dead now? Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the title of it, but I was joking with the Spook House Boys because I just did a cameo on their show where it's basically my theory is that it's going to be like they're doing a Kindle and they're reading the Necronomicon that way. And then you get the Deadites in the cloud. You know what I'm saying? little technology there. Yeah, keep, keep that. That money ain't rolling in with these young ones. Yeah, uh, right. Like, honestly, I'm wondering oh, super heavy on a satire with it. Because, I mean, if that name, that name could work like that, I feel. But otherwise, I'm not really a fan either. Yeah, it's, you know, it depends on the marketing, I think, how excited I'll be. But, you know, like, I'm also the guy who's super excited about Bill and Ted 3. And I know it's not going to be that great. But I just, oh. I am just a fan. I like being a dumb fan. Oh, I watched the trailer five times when it dropped, dude. I'm right there with you. Hell I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm just super stoked to see them together, you know? And I mean, even though uh, George Carlin in the movie, they actually got George Carlin's daughter to play the role of Rufus's daughter to kind of fill that void. Yeah, I like that they're keeping it like in the family. I can always appreciate when you bring people back. Like what Carrie Fisher's daughter was like a big part of the new Star Wars People were like, oh, nepotism. I'm like, I don't have the fucking patience to care. If the quality's there, I don't care. Seriously, it's just, it's including someone's family member, just passing on a legacy. It's like, stop giving it so much shit. Find something else to bitch about. I mean, come on. Yeah. So in terms of the game series for Resident Evil, I think a lot of people get confused because Resident Evil 3 Nemesis is technically a spinoff and Resident Evil Code Veronica is an actual continuation of the original storyline. And so it was due to contract rights with you know Sony and having to release an actual numbered sequel. And then you have Resident Evil 4 ended up becoming Devil May Cry. And so there's a lot of convoluted nature when it comes to the history of Resident Evil. And then this movie franchise didn't help by just being completely batshit crazy and just like so tenuously related. It's not even funny. Oh, I, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, games I went and counted today. I think there are 31, including mobile game releases. Yeah. Probably about including the Japanese only releases 37, and these movies have nothing to do with it's like a single one, or at least the first movie doesn't touch a single character. There's not a single character from the games in this movie, and it's weird. Yeah, I mean, aside from the liquor and the dogs, that's about it, right? Seriously, I mean, that was it, those were the two in game creatures, and I mean. One of the the special forces, uh, the special forces unit was in have been in the games. No one, I, I don't think Nemesis was ever a thing in the games. It was an interesting choice. Yeah. So in terms of the 
film franchise, you had this movie, Resident Evil, come out in 2002. Then you had Apocalypse in 2004, Extinction in 2007, Afterlife in 2010, Retribution in 2012, and the final chapter in 2016. And I cannot believe that with a movie this bland, they made a film franchise that has more installments than The Lord of the Rings at this point. Like, what? I can't believe that I paid to see every one of them in theaters. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's so bland, but I was there for it every opening night, and I can't explain it. It's like that True Blood shit, right? Where people are like, I never knew anybody who was like, True Blood is really good. But I knew tons of people who were like, oh, yeah, but like I've never missed an episode. I'm like, well, then why? What? That's the thing. You, you watch the show for the moments, not there's bits. A lot of it's so much filler. This movie is. Yeah. Like, that's the great thing about like a guilty pleasure or popcorn fluff is it's just you enjoy it and you move on. Like none of these movies have ever been like, oh, I can feel it in my soul and my bones and the essence of my being. But if it is that to somebody, mazel tov, I could not give two shits less. I feel they're just literally the horror version of the Fast and the Furious because each one just keeps going and getting bigger and bigger with the absurdities. Like, just none of it makes sense. How did you get this to happen? Why is this here? But hey, I'm going to watch it. That's insane. And like, so the, the movies aren't terrible. I think that's one thing is, you know, it, this is not the Transformers movie franchise. I think that the Fast and Furious is a good description because there are instances and moments and sequences of those movies that people inarguably kind of like. You know, Mia Jovovich actually was nominated for the Best Actress and the first Resident Evil was nominated for the Best Film in the 29th Saturn Awards. So, I mean, this was not just like, oh, it's just Blood Rain or whatever. This was actually decent and well-produced. Exactly. It's like, there is nothing wrong with this movie, really, but it's just like there is nothing that is just wow about it. It, it. The set designs, I mean, the set production is great. Everything looks beautiful. I mean, just that's something you don't see a lot of these days is good set design because everything is still in CGI. But I mean, that it felt you knew they were there, which was just gives the movie that cred already. But um, yeah, there's nothing visually that I can really gripe about. I mean, CGI back then looked fantastic. They built like a couple like really big, awesome puppets to use for the liquor and the, uh, the bigger beast that it turned into. And they chose to use more of the CGI, but uh, the puppet in a couple scenes looks great. Like, this movie looks fantastic, but it's just lackluster. Exactly. It does leave you wanting a little bit. But I think that it's a, it's very indicative of its time. You know, it, movies at this juncture were very much just like bland. Like, the early 2000s was a lot of bland shit. This was your ghost to Mars era, you know? So I, I think when you take about the sum of its parts, like it's actually above average. Did you know that they did a novelization, but weirdly the novelization didn't come out till more than two years later. Are you serious? It's like, so was apocalypse out by then? The book itself came out June 29th, 2004 and apocalypse. I feel that was like a midsummer release. September 10th. So maybe it was deliberately held back to kind of be a precursor to that movie. Okay, maybe hype people up, you know, a little bit of marketing with that to get people vaz to see the sequel. Yeah, because, you know, that's what I always do. 
whenever I am going to go see a sequel to a blockbuster movie, I always read the adaptation of the movie instead of watching it. And then I go see the sequel. <laughs> I mean, it makes perfect sense to me. I don't know. Yeah. It, like you know, novelizations to movies. It's just like, where are they pulling these things from? Take, for example, I heard there was a novelization of the dark Knight rises that like included the Joker in it. Yeah, he's a, an inmate in Arkham asylum. Yeah. Like why, why even do that? I, I, I just don't get the point. I understand. Cause it kind of goes back to the old days. Like if you've ever read the novelization for gremlins, they made them aliens and there's all sorts of just really weird and bizarre stuff. But I guess it's kind of like trying to be, you're adding more substance and trying to make it like necessary reading, I think is kind of the gimmick of it. Filling plot holes that the movie may kind of leave you're saying kind of thing. Exactly. I get it. I get it. Still, it, 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 it's weird. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely agree with you on that one. I'll stick to the movies. Are you ready to get into some statistics for this week? Let's do it up. Awesome. So the movie was shot on a budget of $33 million and grossed $103 million. Now, it sounds super awesome, but when you find out that it opened in 2,528 theaters, grossing $17 million in its opening weekend, like that's stacking the deck in their favor. Because that's one of the benefits you get to doing an adaptation is you already have market research done. You already have metadata when people are doing Google searches. like People know what this is an established brand, so you can be ambitious and you know get that many theaters to do your release versus movies like we see nowadays where like the lighthouse is like oh it was in five theaters and you had to go on a tuesday at 11 a.m oh exactly and i mean disney's doing that now i was just watching something about uh uh, the movie they just put on Disney Plus, Artemis Fowl, or something like that. Apparently, it was a book series. Yeah, my wife that, just watched it. It was it was a thing. Yeah, that's what I heard. And just just nothing to do with the book, and they just basically used it for the name. Yeah, it seems pretty tenuous, but you know, I can dig it. Just steal that metadata, keep on moving, trick people into yeah. getting into the theaters. <sighs> so it was released on March twenty first, two thousand and two. Now, this was an interesting month. 40 Days and 40 Nights was one of the films all about the Benjamins, the Time Machine, Ice Age, Ollie G, Into House, Blade 2, Sorority Boys, Clock Stoppers. But here's the one movie. If you're going to watch one movie from March of 2002, it has to be Death to Smoochie. Oh, my God. Oh, I was working at Hollywood Video when that hit DVD. And yeah, we couldn't keep that one on shelf. It was weird. I mean, great film. But like, I, I always thought of it as more of a cult type comedy, like not so mainstream. But I was surprised that kept flying off shelves. It was a weird one because it had a huge budget, 50 million bucks. And the box office was only 8.3. But then I've known just a bajillion people who've seen it, whether renting it or buying it on DVD. So I'm hoping they made their money back in droves when it came to it, because I that movie has a legacy like you wouldn't believe. It really does. Yeah. So this film, Resident Evil, I guess we'll talk about it, whatever. A hundred minutes. Yeah. What do you think about that runtime? Uh, it's... It, I don't want to say it's drawn out, but it's just, hey, we're going to go from point A to point B. Uh-oh, now it's time to go to point C, but there's something in our way. But then again, there's not really much you can trim out of it. It's not a bad runtime. It's it's totally doable. 
Like whenever I see it's on, I'm going to pop it on and let it finish out. It plays quick enough. It's got bursts of action at a, just good increments. You know, it, it, it keeps moving. It's very indicative of Paul W.S. Anderson's kind of motif where he, he very rigidly seems to have a story structure where he has you know action, beat, 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 pacing. And, you know, like you said, it's almost like movie by numbers. And so the things I like, I like enough to keep it the same runtime. I like you said, I didn't ever really feel like it was dragging too much because e- like there was enough moments that were good, albeit spaced out sometimes that I thought were worth that runtime. So even though it's not the 90 minutes we aim for, I was fine with it. Exactly. Like it, it's the formula that you know and you just know you subconsciously love. It's like you can pop it on and turn your brain off and not have to think about anything and just enjoy it which I'm all about. Did you know that in a Reddit AMA from April of 2014, James Cameron said that Resident Evil was his biggest guilty pleasure movie? That is, uh, yeah, that's freaking surprising. I would have thought it would have been something a lot more pretentious. Yeah, for sure. Or some weird anime shit. But then I was stopped and thought about it. I was like, oh, strong female protagonist. You know, you got slimy monsters. Oh, this this is very, you know, aliens in a lot of ways. So I can I can appreciate that. I get it. I get it. Because, yeah, dude, my favorite his character archetype is Final Girl, man. I mean, you have a strong female lead in a movie just kicking ass. You have me. It's always how I've been. I've been raised on Final Girl. There's nothing better. I, I honestly, I'm always rooting for men to die because the Y chromosome is evil and we, we all deserve what's coming to us. So. Paul Anderson, he plays the Resident Evil game and he loves it. And so he blatantly admits that he wrote a script called Undead, which he described himself as a ripoff of the game. And then Burned Eichinger of Constantine Film was super enthusiastic. So they got the rights and they just made a Resident Evil movie. So that's another thing where it's a deviation, but it's a deviation with a lot of the same like set pieces and a lot of the same beats. Because it's a ripoff that then got ripped back. So it's ripped off and then glued on. Can we call that? Oh my God, just transplanted. Exactly. So he wrote all six of the movies and directed four of them, which is kind of amazing. I can't think of any filmmaker who's stayed on to that many movies aside from Peter Jackson with The Lord of the Rings and then The Hobbit. And he wanted to fucking kill himself the whole time. So you know how that worked out. Yeah. Seriously impressive, though. But um, which were the ones that he didn't direct? Apocalypse was directed by Alexander Huit. Extinction was directed by Russell Mulcahy. And then the rest all went back to him. So, you know, he took a nice eight-year gap of directing these films. That's such an interesting choice. Maybe by then he got nostalgic for it, though. You know, where he's like, all right. Maybe he pulled the old Stephen King and he's like doing the Kubrick. You know, uh, I know how to direct my movies. And so then he went and did it. He was probably just getting tired of people hanging out with his wife. Yeah, that's a good one. They have three kids together, if I'm not mistaken. That's intense. How the hell she's able to get in like the kind of shape where she's dangling from wires and shit? Good for her, man. Yeah, seriously, she's always been one of those people to make like have a child and just snap right back that just immediate transformation back to like an action star's body. It's good on her, man. My God. Yeah, I should be doing sit-ups right now. To get half that body? No, I'm just not about it. I understand. Yeah, no, couch is nice. So since we're on the topic of directors, here's an interesting one. Did you know that George A. Romero himself directed a commercial for Biohazard 2 that was only released in Japan? 
I had heard that. Have you seen it? Is it is that on YouTube? Yeah, it is. It's good. It you know, it's nothing where I was like, oh my god, this is the stuff of legend. But I was like, this is fun. I this would influence me to at least Google search the damn game. Well, I'm sure in 2002 I was probably Alta Vistaing, maybe. But you get my point. Yeah. But apparently this prompted Sony to commission him to write a script. So then he hired his secretary to play the game and write down the key plot points. They wrote like five to six drafts, some like the multiple drafts in their entirety you can find online. And then eventually he was like, fuck this. I'm gone. <laughs> After doing all that work, it blows my mind. Oh, man. See, I just imagine what could have been if he did, you know, and, and that's what I've been thinking about a lot today is what other director would you want to see handle this franchise? Like your dream take on it. Who would you have direct a Resident Evil franchise? So Resident Evil, you mean a derivation completely of the game, right? Just to be absolutely clear. Yeah, it, exactly. To follow the games uh, a lot more than these movies did. Like if if they were to follow uh, like Chris and Leon and Claire and Jill and just solidly follow the stories, what director do you think could really pull that off and it can like in a much more to the game kind of way? Okay, I'm gonna say one that's I, honestly I don't even know why this struck my head because I didn't like Blade Runner 2049, but Dallas Villeneuve, I would be really interested to see how he would do it. Because his visual style is so cool. And that's something that, you know, Resident Evil at the time was dope. But like now you look at it, you're like, oh, how quaint. But to see like the yeah. imagery and stuff really viscerally done. I'm into I don't know. That, no idea why that came to my brain. What about yourself? Uh, you know, I have been leaning towards Guillermo del Toro or, weirdly enough, uh, Christopher Nolan. I want to see him do a horror. And I think he could take it. And do something amazing. I could see that. You know, I'm not a big fan of how he butt-fucked Batman with that third movie, but I could see it. I'm one of the guys that appreciates Rises because I'm just saying uh, I've always got a hard-on for Hardy. What can I say? We did talk about this, and we both are very aware that he's uncircumcised. Not a deal-breaker for either of us. Oh, not at all. I will never say no to a cuddle. <laughs> awesome. So, like you said, he wrote the, the movies as well. Now, what gets really interesting, when it gets to the music, for the film marco beltrami paired up with marilyn manson to do the music now marco beltrami is kind of the guy for the 2000s the faculty mimic scream uh, blade 2 hellboy underworld evolution uh, he did some of that new twilight zone shit he did logan quiet place max Payne, and so holy shit it's very interesting He's a pretty prolific guy for that era. And then to pair him with Marilyn Manson, I'm like, I'm surprised I didn't know that immediately off the top of my head, but I actually had to find it during research. Seriously, that is like a huge collaboration right there. And I mean, that's another thing. This movie is scored great. Yeah, I ain't mad at it at all. I think that, you know, sure, it's dated with like the kind of stuff, but, you know, it's fine. Yeah, like everything about the movie, like the set, the sound, the effects, I mean, for its time, everything's immaculate, but yet still so bland. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's it's. I think it's bland because it's of its time. You know, nothing about this movie in yeah. any capacity is timeless to me. But if they did that, it wouldn't be accurate to the motifs they were using. You know what I mean? That like pseudo sci-fi, everybody has frosted tips kind of shit. Oh, totally, totally. Everything was trying to be techy and cutting edge back then. So is it time to get into nicknames? 
Uh-huh, let's do it. Brick game. There we go. Glad you remembered the little nonsensical juvenile game we play on this show. So we start off. Hey, pro- professional goon, man. <laughs> you know, amateur. So we have Mia Jovovich, who speaks like five languages and was born. Uh, wasn't she born in the USSR or something like that? Oh, she's born in the Ukraine. Yes. So that was it. Super interesting career and life. I think that she's a fascinating little individual. She really is. She And she's picked a lot of quirky roles. Uh, have you ever seen Dummy with uh, Adrian Brody? No, I like him, though. So I could imagine that I might be partial to it. Very, very fun, quirky indie comedy. And she's fun at it. She plays a best friend of his from like childhood in it. And she's just a girl that grew up with a foul mouth smoking cigarettes who's like 25 and still just wants to light off like firecrackers in the driveway. She's, she's a blast in it. Definitely worth checking out. So she's kind of like Natalie Portman in both Garden State and The Professional. You know, I never saw Garden State, like, just because everyone at the time was raving about it. And I was like, I, I, I'm just turned off. Saw it on a date, didn't get laid. So that movie sucks butts. Can't agree with that, man. That sucks. So did you have... But, oh, The Professional. Yes, The Professional. <laughs> Masterpiece. It is a badass movie. Natalie Portman in that, for her age... Just that role was fantastic. The movie is, I I definitely say, like a perfect film. In a lot of ways, yeah. I mean, it's in that genre, I could say it's a perfect film, yeah. Very much so, very much. You have to be in the mood for it, because if you're not, you're like, why the fuck is this man talking to a child? Then, you know, you just have to accept the weirdness and move on from there. Exactly, but when you're in the mood, it scratches that itch. Totally. So did you have a nickname for Miss Mila Jojovavivich? See, now I have two. There's either the fifth resident huh. or Lilu Alice. I like the fifth resident. That's a pretty good one. That's a deep cut. Thank you. There we go. I see what you did there. Hey, yo. So we had Michelle Rodriguez as Rain uh. Ocampo, who actually returned in Resident Evil Retribution in 2012, which I thought was pretty fascinating. Which is funny because she kind of did the same thing again in the Fast and the Furious franchise. Exactly. For her nickname, I I just really cannot stand anything about her in this movie. She just, she makes me grip my teeth. I've just been calling her Rain, Rain, Go Away. (laughs) Come again. Yeah, I like that. That's actually pretty damn good. So I, th- it's long, but I think it's completely appropriate because I was going to call her Vasquez because she just always reminds me every time of the chick from Aliens, the badass. She's the exact same person uh, yeah. every time. She's the direct-to-video store brand Vasquez. Yeah, which is kind of crazy because with a last name like Goldstein to be Vasquez, I'm like, are we? Is that brown face? Are we? Is this cool? I don't. Mm, so I, I like yours better than mine. Uh, rain, rain, go away. <laughs> so then we had Eric Mabius with a name that sounds that cool. I was actually kind of disappointed to find out it's his real last name. I was thinking it would be something you know very generic, almost like his performance in The Crow Salvation. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but he is the epitome of generic. Now, was he the one that played Matt? Yeah, the bland oh. blonde is that one. Oh, wait, bland blonde. Wait, so the guy that turns into Nemesis at the end, the one that was there looking for his sister. Exactly, with the scra- little scrappy scrappies, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. See, what I was dubbing him was he just looks like the love child of Benedict Cumberbatch and Chris Evans to me. So I've just been calling him Steve. Wow. Because they both, Steve Rogers, strange. Steve Strange. Yeah. Strange. Yeah, he's just a Steve to me because he's just bland. Dude, I'm not mad at that at all. I think that we can keep it for sure. All right. So I'm looking at the rest of these names, and honestly, there's like not a lot of them live long enough, and there's not enough like name recognition. Do you want to just go by like character names or like weird, vague descriptions? I had one more. Oh, let's for, do it. Uh, the squad leader. I think his name in the movie was one, but I was just calling him Chunk. No, Captain Chunk. Captain Chunk. That's because pretty good. Because of that there laser grid. Yeah, I could dig it. And he was also the guy who was in Punisher Warzone and Alien vs. Predator, like a lot of this yes. genre of movie. So I, I can dig that. Awesome. So are you ready to get into the slay-by-play? Let's get to it. So the opening is actually awesome, which is weird. Like the opening hooks me every time I see this kind of bland-ass movie where, you know, they're all like hustling and bustling. The guy walks into them and splashes it. You know, after they like there's clearly some corporate espionage with the stealing of the vials and the breaking of the vial. And then that elevator scene is so cute with the fake out decapitation when it's going down. And then she has that sigh of relief. And then it's like, nope, you're really decapitated. Goodbye. What do you think of it? You're right. It just it, it hooks you. And I think it goes back to what you're saying about the pacing and like how he has the story, story, action beat, action beat, story, 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 action beat. I feel that was a good setting of the pace for the film I, it, it hooked you in and you were ready to watch whatever was coming after that and it's great because it's you're not blowing your wad in the beginning you know it's not like a movie where everybody's a zombie from the very beginning you see a, a huge set piece and there's a bunch of action and then you're like okay well i'm just on a come down for the rest of it this way you know that shit's at the fan on this microcosm you've seen a, a dramatic action and then you can move on and then you can still have room to escalate you know, it's like the thing when it comes to shows like Dragon Ball Z, for instance, where it's like you just have to arbitrarily start saying people's power levels are a bajillion because you escalate so like rapidly without like actual consequence. It's like, oh, well, I, I have a power level of a million. Oh, I, I have one of two million. Oh, OK. Like there's no gravitas. Whereas this it like, am I making sense? I'm not just talking shit on anime. Oh, like, I think I have an idea. <laughs> Anime stuff is very much like just kids on a playground. Infinity, infinity plus one, infinity times a thousand. That's where that is. But yeah, like you were saying with this, though, I mean, it was simple yet effective. I mean, they, they, you didn't even actually see an on screen death, but it just suggested all this stuff was happening and it, and it worked. So then you get the close up shot of Alice's eye as she's waking up naked in the shower. And that's supposed to mimic the title screen of the game, which I thought was pretty badass. Oh, yeah. I mean, Resident Evil Resident Evil just had such a fixation on eyes. I mean, you look at all the creatures in the game. You're always shooting at a big glowing eyeball. I wonder if there's some kind of Freudian psychology there. I wonder if that means that's he was kissed too like. much by his mom or something. Uh-oh. <laughs> Awkward turtle. But here's yeah. something that w shocked me in this scene. Completely took my breath away. I completely forgot that there's a nipple. And usually oh. a movie that I've seen once from 18 years ago, if there's a nipple, I remember it. So I was I felt very bad about myself and my performance as a misogynist male. <laughs> now, what was the last time that you saw it? Prob if I'm honest, probably like closer to 11 years ago. So it's still been a while. Yeah. High definition makes all the difference. Oh, that is a really good point. 
there is more than a nipple in this movie. You, there is straight up bush in the end. And, oh, yeah, that's like, right. We, because definition has left up so much since then. Like, cause I, as I was telling you, I hadn't seen this in a while either. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah, she does have that basic instinct upskirt thing going, right? Uh, yep, just wearing that uh, the paper. <laughs> I love how cheap those fucks are. They can't even get like a full paper gown. They're like, here, just have this rectangle. Fuck off. Go away. <laughs> Yeah, we got this out of the, uh, from wardrobe, not the copier. We, we yeah. promise. The wardrobe lady was gone, so we sent this kid to Hobby Lobby. <laughs> so from there, she's basically doing like the whole amnesia thing. But I think it's good because it's not like her doing a monologue or rather a soliloquy to herself being like, I don't remember things. She's just doing things to indicate that she doesn't remember. Like she sees something handwritten. So she writes the same thing under it to see if her handwriting matches. Which was so relieving because I feel like so many movies just treat you like you are so stupid nowadays. Where I was like, oh, this is just nice. Oh, exactly. What I hate more than anything is just over exposition. Fun fact about that note, a uh, little blooper. If you uh, when they show it in the beginning and then they show uh, Spencer writing it at the end, it's like two different notes with different handwriting, apparently. Oh, no. Yeah. What a gaff. I hope somebody pointed that out <laughs> on the goof section of IMDb. <laughs> I hope someone got fired. <laughs> yeah, 20 years after the fact. So then she goes wandering around the mansion, which is obviously a reference to the Spencer mansion in the original game. Hence his name even being Spencer. We move on. And SWAT team yeah. busts in and they have mass. This this is the wrong thing in the movie. This is what bothers me so much. You had gas masks. You are going into chemical warfare. You take off the gas mask and you go the rest of the movie without the gas mask. Like, God damn it. I know you need screen time for your face, actor boy, but that's wrong. That is criminal. Exactly. It's like uh, when they take off their helmets in Prometheus. It's like you asked for your death. Yeah, right. Just leaving it at that. (laughs) God damn. It it always makes me think of Galaxy Quest. Don't open that. Is there air? You don't know. Oh, so good. So good. Oh, Sam Rockwell in that movie. Such a charmer. Have you seen the documentary for it, Never Surrender? I started it the other night late. I didn't finish it. it that was on Netflix, right? Amazon Prime for me. That that was it. That was it. Yeah, I got to pick that back up. My dad told me about it and I popped it on, got through about half of it, but I uh, had to go to sleep. But yeah, I'm going to finish that. It's delightful. I it was a very good refresher and it's it's super cool because, like, you know, my wife has never been the film nerd that I am. So she does have movies that she likes, but she's never like into the craft of filmmaking. So when she saw and realized like how good and how detailed and how like meticulous the movie was, I think she appreciated it on a whole new level, which was awesome. Yeah, it's just it, that movie is made with so much love for so many different things. I mean, just it, like Star Trek, just nerds in general. It, 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 the movie's a love letter. I, I've always loved it, and it's always got a big place in my heart. 100%. I need to stop saying 100%. A million percent. I'm going to go the Dragon Ball <laughs> there Z we route. Go. <laughs> it's over 9,000%. <laughs> Next time on Slasher's Podcast, right. Jake goes to 2 million percent. I really wish I had that guy's voice, if I'm honest. So, oh, uh, of the SWAT guys, there's the one character. I want to make sure I'm getting his name right. God damn it all to hell. I don't have his name. He's just the one guy who ends up getting like bitten and then not there. I'm trying to remember what it is. Is it JD? The guy who looks exactly like Al Bundy's neighbor from across the street. 
Dude, there's two guys. One of them, I believe, Kaplan. uses his Thank fingers. You. Wait, no, Kaplan, I thought, was the guy that makes it towards the end. Yes. Kaplan's the guy. Yeah. He looks to me just like Al Bundy's neighbor from across the street, but like a little bit younger. Wait, wait, that's not Kaplan. No, I thought. I thought Kaplan was the guy that was turning off the, the security system when they all went into the laser grid thing. I, I, the guy I who gets bit in the leg, guys, yeah. Okay. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, I forgot. He got bit then, yeah. Yeah, the other guy, uh, Pasquale Aliardi, I could see how he looks like it, but that's not what I'm talking uh, about. Oh, my God. I'm seeing the resemblance you're seeing right now. I'm, I'm, I'm getting it. Yeah. Because it's also his shitty yeah, little was- haircut in the movie, too. It's not just his face. So I probably should have it emphasized is. that. If you went bl- if you bl- made him blonde. Oh, wait, which? Yeah, wait, the guy wait, who's wait, married wait. to the little shrew lady who's really cranky all the time. Wait, yeah, the one that was in um, Revenge of the Nerds. Yes. Okay, I wasn't sure if you were talking about her earlier husband before he came out of the show. Oh, no, 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 no. I, he's That guy's negligible. We're fine. Yeah. So as they're descending into the whole, like, railway thing, did you know that that was actually a the Bundestag U-Bahn station in Berlin? Really? Oh, I, I learned that, and I, did, I didn't even know how to pronounce it, and I still don't. The more you know. And the <laughs> train itself was called the Galaxy 5000 in the game, was renamed to the Alexi 5000 as a reference to Code Veronica's villain, Alexia Ashford. Alexia Ashford. How dope is that shiz? Yeah, I think, like I, uh, I was going to say, I think that and Spencer being, uh, his name being a reference to the mansion, I think those are really the only Easter eggs in this film. Yeah, any that well, at least subtle. I mean, because they, you get beaten over the head with like, this is a liquor. It licks because oh, it's yeah. got a tongue. I, uh, other than that, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But like, you didn't see any like herbs pop up on right. desk. Like they're in that office. You just see a potted plant that looks like one of those. I would have shot my pants. That would have been great. But like, because that is my thing. I'm an Easter egg hunter. And it's like, I wanted to find more stuff in this film. But, you know. I looked and I hunted and I, I mean, everybody knows I do my due diligence. I hope our reputation on Slasher speaks for itself. But I was like, wait, what? There's there's nothing. I expected there there's to be some nothing. like saucy video from some guy who's like, what's up, guys? It's your pal GP Max 27 here on YouTube. I'm going to go through 107 things to dim in the bit. But no, there's nothing. <laughs> yeah. They, when they're grasping at straws and just trying to tie threads together. Yeah. One of those videos. But yeah. I was searching for one of those videos. You may notice that Alice is a carbon-based life form, which is a nod to the original characters in the game who also carbon-based life form. <laughs> like to a T. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you might notice that she has hair, which uh, you may notice the original uh, character also had hair. This, this movie was named Resident Evil after a popular game series franchise. <laughs> like, yeah. No shit, what? But, like, not not a single video like that exists. Like, seriously, I, I searched online just, like, for Reddit and shit. Like, I found two. Well, I'm glad that we struck out together. So Yeah, team effort. Let me ask you this. Memory loss is so common in movies. Did you ever feign memory loss to try and get out of trouble as a kid? I think once or twice. Dude, every time I would get in a fight at school, my dad would always ask me for like a very meticulous chronology. I'm like, I don't remember. And like, it makes me think that if I was, you know, cracked down by the police, I wouldn't be a narc because I wouldn't even narc on myself as a kid. No, I don't remember. I don't remember nothing. It was dark. I didn't see nothing. Because I, I would stonewall him. And like looking back, 
I could see he couldn't have given two shits less about me fighting. It was just the fact that I was like fucking with him and I wouldn't just tell him. Was the, I mean, I sit back and laugh on some of them still. And I'm that's been over 20 it's years. It's the thrill of the game, man. The thrill of it all. Hell yeah. And I got away scot-free. Nobody ever busted me. <laughs> I think I used that defense when I gave my little sister a haircut when I was my five. Oh, shit. <laughs> Yeah, it didn't work too well. One fun thing I found about the movie is there's a fascinating part where I noticed where the device that they use to break the code to get into the system is just a blood glucose meter that has a radio antenna glued to it. And I was like, oh, I've, I've literally seen that before. That's awesome. I love stuff like that. Little repurposed items uh, for props and just... It's funny shit once you notice it. Yeah, my all-time favorite one is Qui-Gon Jinn using this stupid like radio thing that's just a woman's like Gillette razor without the blade that's painted yes. gray. It's amazing. I remember reading that for the first time. Like that's all of it, like in all of Star Wars, all that shit is like lightsabers came from camera parts. Yeah, exactly. The three flash cell for uh, uh I think it's a grandma grandma uh, notes. There we go. From the nineteen yep. forties, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. Yeah, it's just, uh, I've always loved seeing what people do with uh, just everyday day items. I've always been into prop building and shit like that. And just to see funny little repurposed items like that just makes my day, like finding that shit out. And so as we move forward, did you notice, I because I only noticed it for the first time, which kind of harkens back to your point about HD, that the red dot that's in the camera showing like, oh, you're being watched. Did you notice the red dot's actually a little red crown as a reference to the Red Queen? Oh my god, I did not notice that. I'm very proud of myself. It was pretty cool. Yeah, good on you for seeing that. And uh, that's the whole uh, reference to Red Queen crown and everything. It's like, was he just like, what was this Alice in Wonderland metaphor he was trying to achieve? Like, I get it. Her name's Alice. They're going down the rabbit hole on the tram and everything to get to the Red Queen. And it's like, after that, I feel like the, the metaphor just loses itself. Yeah, it's kind of awkward. But as an MMA fan, yeah. I just kept imagining whenever I'd see the shitty little girl CGI, I just imagined Rory McDonald as the Red King there. And I was like, hey, hey this is better now. <laughs> so when they go to the, the labs and there's this the trickle of water coming out from where the scientists had tried to like pickaxe their way out of the fiberglass. For some reason, I just laughed out loud while I was watching it. My wife like looked over confused because I kept thinking of like Sylvester the cat or like the Looney Tunes when they'd get shot and they'd drink some water and they just start spouting water out of their stomachs. Yes, like a sim. It was so weird. I don't know. I had like this vivid, just I couldn't get it out. And then like, of course, the fact that like she's judging me hard is making me giggle even more like an idiot. Oh, that stern wife look in her eyes. Oh, yeah. So we have to talk about yep. the best zombie in the movie is Half-Face Zombie. I don't know if it actually has a better name, but with the one where they clearly had like CGI'd out half of his head. Say Magnifique. Yeah. Oh, see, it, 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 that's like one of the main things that I just remember from this movie. It's like that Half-Face Zombie and then just the laser grid. Those are like, I have yeah. to say, some of the top effects in it. The three things I remembered were were this guy, the grid, and the dogs. And I remember the dogs because I thought like, oh, how like interesting they did like a, a good practical effect with the kind of like latex over the dog, and the dog seemed healthy and fine, which is kind of nice. And I mean, oh, exactly, it's a horror movie where and the dog dies, but he was already dead, so I'm fine with it. 
Yeah, exactly. And uh, it was a brilliant use of just uh, CGI assistance to practical effects. Exactly. Which I love. It's like, I'm just such a practical guy. I want to see everything done practical and CGI should just be that little assist, you know, to blend the edges. Yeah, I'm big on like when they CGI out the guy and you get the like your puppetry and whatnot, like whether it's the Muppets or the new Dark Crystal that came out. I'm, I'm really into that. So I'm right there with you. Yeah, just that it's that touch more realism to it. Yeah. And then when that one dude gets eaten, I kind of think it's a day of the dead reference, but it also might not be because it's just a guy who's in military ish uniform getting eaten while he's like kind of pseudo crowd surfing. So maybe. uh... Was that JD or was that one of the other unnamed soldiers i don't know they are all so bland they are a hive person to me seriously it's like everyone they all blend together it's like one of the guys that dies with a laser a laser grid it's like dude when did you even get here have you been here the whole time yeah right i thought you were background (laughs) he's like no i was 20 minutes late i just showed up though (laughs) thanks for waiting yeah they have you ever seen the twilight zone episode the number 12 looks like you what was the premise of that? I, there was a local band, or there was a grindcore band. I can't remember if they were local, if or I'm just remembering them being local with that same name. Yeah, so I mean, it's basically that they like pick out an identity or like a, a, a physiology that they're like, oh, like I picked this, and there's like it's more like an outfit, but that's like your your body and your visage, and that's the way a lot of these actors at this kind of era look like. It's like, oh, you just chose the generic white guy. You chose the white girl with the pixie cut. You know what I mean? It's like there were those templates that you saw over and over again. Yeah, your pre-made game characters kind of thing. Exactly, your creative character templates. Yep. It, truly, because, I mean, it, there is no differentiation. There's no character development. It's just like, hey, they're here to fill this role. Yeah. And so when the liquor escapes, did it remind you of like a really shitty Sonic the Hedgehog villain? It really did. It had those like with the weird like, kind of hands. And I was like, this just looks like it's on a Dreamcast. Exactly. Just yeah. like you could just some sort of like lava level boss or something like that. <laughs> right. Just change you know? some of the bones to like little servos and it's a robotic beast. No questions. Exactly. So I have to talk about this dogs. I thought the dog scene is cute where she escapes the one dog and it's like you walked into the wrong neighborhood, motherfucker. And then she kills all the dogs and then the original dog comes back and she does this jumping like spin kick that looks just like River from Firefly. It's hokey. It's bad, but it's my kind of hokey and bad. And I love it. Exactly. And it's like, I love how they cut away from her shooting all the dogs because it's like there is no way she could have taken out that room of dogs with that one clip. So they cut away. But then you see you still believe it. You're not taken out of it. Yeah, and especially I never need to see violence against animals as the prissy little vegan oh, boy. I'm always like, oh, we're not fine. But it's just like interesting the way they cut it because it's like you don't see her changing the angle of the gun from like her shoulder stance, but it's like all of a sudden the room's cleared. Yeah, it's pretty good. So then the dude yeah. finds his sister, Lisa, and he's sad and she's a zombie. That's fine. She has a flashback to selling Lisa the information, and then she doesn't tell the guy at first, and then she later tells him. Did you catch the very, very blatant, get over here? And then like the same guy adds, come on, there's too many of them. But I was like, this is clearly a Scorpion reference. 
to which Paul W.S. Anderson had just done that movie, video game adaptation, right? Yeah, he did that. And I mean, what else has he done? Oh, uh, he did uh, Event Horizon as well. But yeah, completely just did, what was that, uh, 98 that he did Mortal Kombat? Oh, no, we actually just did an episode on it. I believe it was 1994. Oh, wow. Was that far back? Uh, let me double check. Then, oh, it's nineteen ninety-five. Filming began in August okay. of nineteen ninety-four. Sorry, I was going off the top of my head and I talked about that in the notes. Okay. So, so it was nineteen ninety-five. Okay, but yeah, total reference. Hell yeah. I caught something that I didn't see in a video wow. by a preteen with Adobe Premiere. Attaboy. Hey yo. So then Spencer is revealed as a traitor and he escapes and he's injecting the antivirus and gets killed by the liquor. And then the liquor starts to adapt, which is kind of cool. Uh, Kaplan saves them by frying the queen, and then Alice won't kill the zombified Michelle Rodriguez, which is kind of annoying, uh, after she's already ejected her with the cure-all that doesn't cure all, so that's kind of, you know, like I said, frustrating. What do you think of that scene? Because, I mean, I've seen it so many times where it's like, I'm reluctant to kill somebody who's a monster and wants to eat my face. Yeah, it just, like I said, it was, it was take her out. Rain, rain, go away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. And then when they kill the zombie who falls onto the button, making the liquor fall out of the back of the truck, I was kind of into it, I have to admit. It was a cute little, like, Rube Goldberg machine right there. Yeah, it worked. I mean, she served her purpose there. And then they get to the mansion, and he's like, oh, the scratchies on my arm are making me have the bad, bad tummy-tum feels. And then a second SWAT team shows up, and they're like, hey... This is the scene from E.T. where we're all in white. We're going to take him for the Nemesis Project. And then it goes to her eye again, and she wakes up in the hospital. Yeah, it, it, I think the Nemesis tease is what really brought me back for that opening night. I think that was, I guess that may be not even a thir- an Easter egg, but just a reference in the movie. I liked that part. That had me excited. But, um, yeah, I mean... It made me feel like Captain America. I was like, oh, I understood that reference. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, I mean, the ending, it just lands again. Yeah, and then... uh, By the numbers. It ends up where she pulls the fucking tubes out of her head, and she goes downstairs. I don't know, she walked through an entire hospital that was abandoned, but only found a lab coat to put on, which I was like, that seems like somebody's trying to exploit my nether regions to look at his wife, which is just weird. And she just takes a shotgun, and she's just in a desolate place, and I was like, that's cute. It makes me wish that there wasn't a sequel, because my imagination would have been better than the sequels. Oh, hands down. Hands down. Uh, one other thing, uh, when they show the newspaper when she gets out into Raccoon City, it says uh, the Dead Walk, uh, reference to Day of the Dead, I believe. Hell yeah. So that's two potential references, because we have the guy getting eaten and stuff, which kind of could be, maybe, maybe, maybe. So I think that's good. We did it, buddy. Maybe we cracked the code. You know, we found that touch of Romero in there. Yeah, we did find it. We cherished it. We polished up this turd and we put a little sprinkling of George A on top of it. Oh, yeah. A little cherry. So, and I guess that's the end of the movie. Now, in your opinion, is this a classic, a trashic, or a tragic? You know, uh, 
I, like I said, I can't ever turn the movie off when it's on. So, but like I said, I can't find anything remarkable about the film. So I'm, I'm definitely going tragic. Yeah, I gotta say the same. Like it's, there's not enough wrong with it to be a tragic. I mean, sure, its biggest misgiving is that it's somewhat bland, but it's very capable and competent. So it's just like, yeah, hey, this is just a good bad movie, and it's harmless. Like I almost feel if the movie was worse, it'd be better. You know, in like ironic kind of way, you know, like, I, I don't know. That's just how I feel. It's just, it's vanilla by the numbers from start to finish. Like, I wonder if they just made it a little bit cheesier, a little bit campier, what it would have been. Yeah. Compare this movie to the Mario Brothers movie, right? The Mario Brothers movie is a dumpster fire, but it is so much more interesting for being a dumpster fire. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, Easter eggs all over that film. Dude, it's it gets to the point of absurdity, which I love. Oh, so much. It's like, that. I, I wanted to see a Resident Evil movie more like that, honestly. But like I said, I, I'll still never turn it off the way it is. But I love it for the bland, <laughs> white bread sandwich that it is. All right. I realized something. I realized something, my friend. What's up? So, you know, the the reason I said Dennis Villeneuve guy was because Blade Runner 2049 reminds me aesthetically of some of the Carpenter Brute music videos. Oh, yeah. Turbo Killer and Blood Machine. And so just take that fucking guy and make him do this movie and then I'm into it. Oh, my God. I would be all over that. Hell yeah. Oh, dude, just the visuals and just, oh, I, I would definitely watch some just zombie hordes with some dark waves. That'd be amazing. I feel like some spermy cobwebs coming out of my dick just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I broke Adam. He just retched in his own mouth. <laughs> All right, bud. Well, is it time to say goodbye to these goons? Yeah, I just want to first say thank you again for having me, and uh, thank you, Goons. And so, to be determined, our friend Adam here is going to be having his own horror podcast, much like everybody and their own grandmother. So, before we go, Adam, why don't you do a shameless plug for a thing that doesn't quite exist yet, but the great thing about podcasts is that in six months, when you're making more money than me at this podcasting game, somebody can look back at this episode and hear about it. I'll never forget you, baby. But uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> buddy of mine, friend of the show, Johnny, and I are going to be starting a, another movie podcast called Deep Cut Matinee. And uh, basically, it's going to be anything weird, strange, horror-related, or quirky uh, in cinema. Some dark comedies, some crazy horrors, uh, basically whatever we just find weird and is worthy of talking about. When there's something strange in your neighborhood, who are you going to call? Deep cuts. Deep cut matinee. Okay. Syllabically, I think you fucked it. I think we have to go back to the very beginning and start all over. This one hour plus podcast is ruined. Just kidding. Damn it. You're a natural. I'm glad that I could help break your horror hymen all over the mutant goons from beyond as you prepare to launch off into your own moment and glory where I'm going to be looking back at this and be like, they just grow up so fast. Oh, you've guided me with your tender, gentle hands. And uh, yeah, you've made it easy, man. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting some episodes out and uh, definitely having you on. Hell yeah. I'll be happy to host or I, I will be happy to guest host. I don't want to steal your show. I, that's not my, I'm no. not that guy. Thank you, though. So no. anyway. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> For Adam, I'm Jake reminding no. you to go out there and do something you love and remember that all work and no 
power play makes Jack a dull boy. Adam, can you do a fart sound for me, bud? That was a fun episode. If you made it through the entire thing, thank you so much. I know that audio quality was questionable, but Adam and I did the best that we could given the circumstances. So, yeah. If you want more from Adam, you can always be a Patreon patron, and then you get the weekly bonus episodes at the $5 tier. And then also just be sure to stay tuned as Deep Cuts Matinee becomes a reality. Now, this project is pretty rad. Chris reached out to me through an app called Horror Amino, and I have had very mixed results with that app. I've had a lot of Russian spam bots and moderators trying to intermeddle with my postings, but some good came out of it because I made a friend and found an awesome song, Torn by the Thread. Now, this project came about in a very interesting way. It was developed completely in quarantine as a way to combat boredom. And I'm a big fan of it. I actually really enjoyed it. So if you can, please show him your support. There's about 20 tracks on the Project 19 SoundCloud. So go, listen, or wait, listen to it here, then listen to it there. Do whatever you want, but enjoy Project 19 with Torn by The Thread. Contraception stops natural birth from taking place 